our emotional expressions are socialized. We learn how to express happiness. We learn how to express joy and we learn how to express sadness. And we also learn how to express anger. And part of that learning is we learn who can be angry and who shouldn't be angry. You're listening to CWC Talks, a podcast from the University of Florida Counseling and Wellness Center. In each episode, we discuss mental health topics related to the experience of being a student and share the struggles and joys of taking care of your mental health while in college. Before we get started, just a few notes on today's content. The views expressed here only reflect our opinions and don't represent the CWC or the University of Florida or the mental health professions as a whole. Additionally, some content may be sensitive for students who have experienced trauma. Please reach out if you need additional support. In this episode, Dr. Sarah Nash and Renisha Miller, CWC Counseling Psychology Intern and Doctoral Candidate, discuss the intersection of race, identity, and anger. Hi, Rainisha. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here today. And is this is this your first time being interviewed for a podcast? It is. It is. So as you can imagine, I'm excited and a tad bit nervous. That's <laughs> totally normal. Yeah, it's totally normal. And I'm really glad that you wanted to come on today to talk about such an important topic, uh, which is anger. We're here today to talk about anger and uh, what do you what do you do with anger? What is it? Um, how does culture influence our experiences and expressions of anger and how to make use of anger? So um, with that being said, maybe we could just start out with what is anger in your experience, in your opinion, in your research? That question is such a beautifully complex question to answer, right? Because anger in and of itself is very, very complex, mainly because of what it really is and the meaning that we as individuals have ascribed to it, um, the meaning that society has ascribed to, to anger. So it has many different meanings, right? And oftentimes it's conflated with other things. So at its core, anger is one of our natural primary emotions that we have developed to feel or experience for as long as humans have been walking this earth. Anger in and of itself is an emotional experience that alerts us to the fact that something has been done to us. We have experienced some wrongdoing. And so in that way, Anger is a message carrier. It opens our minds or it opens us up to understanding that something is wrong, something has been done, and whatever that thing is, it is not okay. Great. That makes a lot of sense to me in my own experience, and I'm especially just hearing it's a primary emotion. It's natural. It's normal. It's been with us from the very beginning of our evolution, and it gives us important information and that, that right. right gives us important information that something is not okay right. something has happened and it's not right, okay right. okay that's a, i think that's a great starting point i'm curious like 
how did you get interested in this topic? Because I feel like <laughs> anger, anger is not something we, we easily talk about in our culture and our society. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not like the most, like, it's not like a great cocktail party conversation. Absolutely. Or, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. You know, anger and myself, like we have a very intimate relationship one that was bestowed upon me um and one that i have embraced over the years so you can see this sarah but our, our listeners can't but i am a black woman loud and proudly black and i love who i am and i think growing up i was raised by a single mother and my grandmother and just had two strong woman identifying individuals raise me to be just as strong just as resilient and i can remember from a young age my grandmother telling me you deserve to exist in this world and you have something to say never be afraid to say it so naturally with my grandmother's and my mother's uh, well wishes, I grew up confident. I grew up unafraid to speak my mind. Of course, um, being from the South, doing it in a way in which it was very respectful. Um, sometimes we joke and we say, act as if you have home training. Uh, <laughs> so I did it in a way in which my grandmother would say, you have good home training. And it wasn't until I started to matriculate through higher education, going through undergrad and then master's in my doctoral program that I realized me being assertive in this body and me advocating for myself in this body sometimes elicited a negative response for, from other people and oftentimes being labeled angry or the angry black woman. So naturally what we tend to do, if we are encountering a message so much, whether it be in our daily interactions, on, in media, in the news, we begin to start to believe that message, right? So if I'm hearing from colleagues or professors and seeing images in the TV that black women are angry, I started to ask myself, am I angry? Through some self-reflection, I realized, absolutely, I am angry and I have the right to be angry. And so that's kind of where my relationship with, with anger began. And then I think as a doctoral student, my dissertation work looks at Black women's expressions and experiences of anger in the context of gendered racism. So if we go back to this understanding that anger in and of itself is a primary natural emotional experience that alerts us to injustices, that in alerts us to wrongdoing, then when we talk about issues related to racial discrimination, any type of prejudices and discrimination, survivors of those ills of society, that's what I like to call them, definitely have a right to be angry. 
And so I think my personal experience with experiencing being labeled angry, not being heard, being silenced, uh, as well as just seeing tons and tons of things happening to people who might identify similarly to me or be members of other marginalized, oppressed um, backgrounds, just really having a disproportionately challenging life. I wanted to understand anger and I wanted to be able to claim anger as a, an emotional experience I am entitled to have based on my experiences of injustice. Which is so different from the message that comes along with calling you an angry black woman, which is which embedded in that is that you there's something wrong with being angry. You're not entitled to your anger. Right, right. Your anger is making me as a white person uncomfortable. Absolutely. And I think even inherent in that too, Sarah, is this message even of Who's allowed to be angry? Um, one of the things that I've been able to uncover in my own research is this idea of socialization processes. Now, what in the world does that mean? It's basically, how do we learn to be who we are from friends, family, colleagues, TV, right? It's that social learning that we do in order to kind of shape our own behaviors. Our emotional expressions are socialized. We learn how to express happiness. We learn how to express joy. And we learn how to express sadness. And we also learn how to express anger. And part of that learning is we learn who can be angry and who shouldn't be angry. So the, the most um available example I'm thinking about is men identifying individuals versus women identifying individuals and how from a young age it's considered to be more manly um, to be angry, to be um, expressive in your anger, whereas women identifying individuals we're taught to be a little bit more docile, be quiet, we should be seen and not heard. Even from a young age, we learn who can and cannot be angry. And so when you mix that with an individual who sits at the intersection of multiple marginalized identities, like myself, I'm both Black and woman simultaneously, and anger has its own social message for Black identifying individuals, and you merge that message with me being a woman, I'm at the intersection of double messages about you cannot be angry. It creates a, a challenging existence. I can't be angry, but yet I'm constantly confronting these anger-inducing situations in my life. Even on college campuses sometimes, if you are traversing this university uh, college experience as an individual from a marginalized background, pretty sure there are moment-to-moment -moment instances that upset you and that anger you. Yes, and I, you know, sometimes students come to counseling and share those, share those moments uh, with us, but that they're happening whether those students are coming into counseling or not. That's just a common experience. Given everything that you've shared, 
how have you learned to engage your anger? Because I'm hearing almost that there's been a developmental journey for you of like waking up to your anger and claiming your anger and your right to be angry and exploring like where that fits for you as a woman and a woman of color and really owning that and claiming your right to that. I maybe maybe we could get into that now or save it for later, but I do really want to talk about how do how have you learned to engage your anger? And then maybe we can move into how we might help students work with their anger. So I I'll go through the like you were saying the developmental process of it. You know, at first being a Black woman, um, navigating non-traditional spaces, right? Spaces that weren't created with me in mind, like being in a university setting. Most times, Sarah, I was the only African-American Black person in a room. And sometimes I was the only African-American Black individual and woman in a room. And there might have been things that were done or said that really upset me. But because I already stood out as other, as different, I didn't then want to add to the experience. So initially, I started out by downplaying my own emotional experience, um, attempting to ignore it and ignore it in hopes that it would go away because I didn't want to bring any more attention to myself. And I definitely did not want to um, live out the stereotype, right, of being an, an angry Black woman. But, you know, the more and more I um, matriculated through undergrad and then graduate school, I kept encountering situations that upset me, that angered me. And I realized really quickly, like, okay, it's here. And in, in ignoring it, I'm not addressing it. It's just piling on and on and on. And it's becoming a little bit of a rage. And so then I moved from ignoring it to let me manage it. Let me taper it down a little bit. Let me like box it or gift it nice and neatly. But what I, rem what I realized was happening, Sarah, was that I felt even more silenced. I felt even more unheard because when you're managing something and you are trying to um, wrap it up all nice and neatly, you are essentially funneling the real message. And just to be just, just frank, that wasn't working for me. <laughs> Well, and I think that's where people start to see all kinds of, uh, one, it's just exhausting, right? Like that takes right. so much energy. And two, like it can start to come out as anxiety mm -hmm. or depression, or you find yourself like waking up at two in the morning and stuffing cookies in, like it can, it comes out in so many other ways. Like it just doesn't work to do that. Exactly. And, you know, there's a body of literature that talks about the um, passive versus active ways of expressing anger. And more so, 
um, passive ways of expressing anger, which is basically that the that avoidance behavior, trying to manage it, trying to keep it down, as you've kind of alluded to, it is more so associated with depression and a lot of these internalizing mental health challenges. Managing it empirically and from my own um, experiential living just wasn't cutting it either because I found myself feeling sad and feeling like I wanted to withdraw from my social connections. So like you're saying, it's leading to a lot of different things that I didn't want to happen while also trying to manage my academic course load, be this outstanding student, carry the expectations of my family and professors on my back, I was literally weighed down and upset. (laughs) And it just, it wasn't helping me. And so the more, the deeper I got into my dissertation research, I came across a Black feminist theorist by the name of Audre Lorde, who I am just a fangirl of, love, love, love her work. And it was Audre Lorde who basically normalized um, people of colors or people from marginalized backgrounds experience of anger as a sounding alarm to the injustices we face moment by moment and daily. Our anger is our right and our anger isn't ours to hide. As I started to read that, I started to get excited because it's like, okay, I've tried to act like it wasn't here. I've tried to suppress it. Um, The only other option now is to express it. And how can I do that? I started to read up on the idea of engaging your anger being in conversation with your anger, trying to understand what it is that it's wanting to say and what it is that it is trying to alert you to. And once you can have a conversation with your anger and understand that sometimes my anger, or or personally for me, Sarah, my anger wasn't just anger. There was some sadness underneath my anger. I was feeling sad that um, some people couldn't accept me or wouldn't accept me. I was also feeling tired that I was constantly having to prove the utility in my existence as a human being. And once I was able to honor the anger um, and, and thank it, I know that sounds really, really cuckoo, but really, I thanked my anger because my anger allowed me to see something else that was happening for me. I was becoming sad. My soul was tired. And I had developed a little bit of anxiety, constantly worried about how people were perceiving me. And it was from there I learned how to take care of me. And I knew exactly what I needed to do to address the sadness, to address the exhaustion, to, ex- to address the, the anxiety. And, I, and I, I smile because I wouldn't have gotten to that point had it not been for my anger to begin with. Wow, it's really, really powerful. Um, and I, it, it, 
I'm just thinking about those last three things that you shared that you you first had to decide that you were going to you said express your anger, but I thought even before we can express something, we have to acknowledge it, right? You acknowledge mm-hmm. your anger. It's there. Stop trying to make it more palatable to other people, right? right. Um, it, so it, it's just a, an acknowledgement. And with that acknowledgement comes, comes, oh my gosh, you, anger, you have a purpose. You have been doing something for me you have been serving me right you've been serving me with valuable information and thank you like thank you and that with with that shift like what a what a radical shift from somehow trying to suppress it push it away deny it get rid of it right it's like no i'm making a an honored seat for you at the table Right, you you get to you get to be here. You you, you have a voice, right? You ha- you have a valid mm-hmm. voice. I'm making space for you. It sounds like anger started to share with you that like you were also really sad that that anger was signaling lots and lots of hurt, right? Like it's hurtful. To, like all the experiences that you're sharing of of growing up as a black woman are hurtful, right? Like People have hurt you. Systems have hurt you. And you're sad. Like, you're sad. That's, that's, yeah, it's, it's devastating. Yeah, it is on several levels. Because the thing that I think about too, Sarah, anger in and of itself, if we were to look at it from uh, an academic perspective, Anger is a natural emotional experience, and it can be a primary emotion, which is it's the first emotional experience that we have in any given situation or moment, or it can be a secondary um, emotional experience, which means it's a reaction to something else that has occurred, or it's a reaction to another emotional experience. So for me, once I was able to engage my my anger and um, begin a dialogue with it, I realized that my anger in this situation was secondary to the sadness, the 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 anxiety, the worry, and the exhaustion. An even deeper conversation with my my anger, I had to ask, well, why couldn't you even be the first? or the primary emotional experience. Why did you have to be a reaction to these other ones? Well, it goes back to what I talked about a little bit earlier, how we're socialized. And some emotions, certain people are allowed to express and some emotions, other people are not allowed to express, right? So thinking about myself once again, as a strong, as an, as an, uh, as a black woman, there is the stereotype of the angry black woman, but there's also the stereotype of the, the strong black woman. So I can't be angry and I'm always expected to be strong. Doesn't leave much room, right? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. And so it was amazing for me to understand how my social existence is finding its way into how I navigate this life 
just on a physio, not a physiological, but a psychological and emotional level too. I'm constantly having to negotiate my emotions. And interesting enough, there's a huge consensus amongst researchers um, studying anger that suggests that woman identifying, man identifying individuals don't actually differ in their experience of anger. So we're all experiencing this emotion, but where we differ is how we express it. And those differences in, in expression, whether that's um, through outwardly showing it or suppressing it by inwardly holding it in, boils down to who we are, so how we identify, and the messages attached to those social identities has a tremendous effect on whether or not we're going to express it or suppress it. And for me, I was suppressing, (laughs) suppressing, and that suppression causing a, a lot of different issues and a lot of different challenges that no one should ever have to go through. Uh, no, and uh, there's enough challenges already, right? Without without additional ones, there's already enough challenges. Um, so I'm wondering, as as you started to have this rich dialogue with your anger and different layers of your anger and your socialization and all these pieces started to like a picture, like a many petaled flower or something just starting to unfold more for you. What, in what ways did you find yourself learning to express your anger more or, and and I'm also hearing like that you learn to attend to your sadness and your hurt and your pain. Um, And so maybe that's part of the conversation too, but how do you work on doing that, especially given that it sounds like, especially in our U.S. society, it's risky. Absolutely. There are forms of expression that can cause us harm and that can cause other people harm. Aggression. We all know about aggression. Aggression is a type of anger expression. It's the outward expressing of anger through either yelling, kicking, just doing something to show that you're angry. Now, that type of expression might not always be helpful. And um, I recently came across a study that looked at the benefits or the potential disadvantages of outwardly expressing anger versus inwardly expressing anger. And those studies show that sometimes acting in aggressive ways also tends to diminish our psychological adjustment. So it can also have very, very negative impacts on us. Looking at the research and kind of understanding how in some instances it seems very inconclusive, whether or not you express or suppress anger, it can it can all be bad for you. So I started to take the route of healing. How can I use my anger to heal myself? And this is oftentimes the work that I do with my my clients. Um, I love when they come in the room angry because that lets me know we are about to start a healing journey up in here. You just don't even know it. So don't hold nothing back. Tell me how angry you are. 
once again, going back to the fundamental definition of anger, it lets us know when we have experienced an injustice or a wrongdoing. So the very definition of anger necessitates healing. I have been hurt. I have been pained. And so for me, my approach was, how can I heal myself? I am angry because no one sees me, no one hears me, no one has validated me. And so how do I be seen? How do I be heard? And how am I validated? I know I'm going to depend on my social support networks. I'm going to reach out to the friends. I'm going to reach out to the, the family. I'm going to reach out to the peers, the professors that I trust who can reflect me back to me when I've forgotten who I am because of the warring I do daily. And being able to depend and rely on those social support networks, I, I heal myself by comforting my anger because my anger was telling me it's not okay that people are not hearing you they're not seeing you they're not validating you you're right it's not right so let me find spaces that are sacred and safe where I can get all of those things how do you identify those people those spaces given that they're not I'm just thinking how beautiful right how beautiful that you were able to take that risk to take those parts of yourself that needed to be seen, heard, and validated and risk showing them to people you trusted. Right, right. right? Mm -hmm. I guess I'm just thinking about students who might be listening to this, like, how do you identify who those people are? Who feels like home? Who feels like home? It, and it doesn't matter if you come from a marginalized background or not. At some point in your life, you have had to walk this earth with a mask on. You have had to hide certain aspects of you because it didn't feel safe. You didn't feel that the, the other person or the individuals on the receiving end would be good stewards of, of the essence of you. And so oftentimes home becomes our oasis where we can take the mask off I don't have to stay in counselor speak. I can use my Alabama swing and be myself, right? I can literally and figuratively let my hair down. So finding the individuals in your life who represent home, you can be who you are. You can mess up words. You can forget things. You don't have to be perfect. And they still accept you, they still uh, support you, and they still cheer you on, that's home. And that's how you identify those people. Who can you take your mask off to? I was thinking sometimes it just starts with finding one person, right? Just one person. And once, once you know what that feels like, you have a point of comparison. So it sounds like you really made a conscious choice to start using your support network in this way. Yeah, absolutely. Which implies, I guess, to me that there was a time where maybe you weren't utilizing your support network. Oh, yeah. 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 Because it goes back to the strong Black woman. 
I am expected to be resilient and strong and any signs of weakness are not okay. And reaching out for help is a sign of weakness. That's what I thought. But I learned actually reaching out for help and knowing when you cannot no longer go on is actually a sign of health and strength. What you're saying is so important. I'm wondering, were the people that you were showing finally like trusting with these parts of yourself that were hurting and angry, which which was a healthy decision, but were the people Black or did you find some people who were also you know, not African-American to share with? Yeah, I I like to call them my tribe. They are Black African-American and they are not. They are women and they are not. We share experiences and we do not. So it is, it, it really is a mixture of people who see me and who I see, right? We recognize the struggles that we we go through, but we connect on a heart level. And so, yeah, I am always welcoming of anyone <laughs> who can see me and embrace me. Yeah, that's who, that's who my tribe is. Well, that's beautiful. And I was wondering, and maybe I should have ex- expressed it, articulated it in advance of the question, but I, I was wondering if sometimes sharing those softer spots, the, you know, softer or the anger or whatever, um, if you've gotten a message from other strong black women that you can't be, you can't be in pain, you can't share that, if that felt, if that felt risky at first, right? Like to step out of that, maintain that image, even, even for other women who were black in your life? Oh, that's a great question, Sarah. And I would have to say it was almost as if we couldn't wait to huddle together and be like, oh, girl, oh, I'm so glad I can't wait to talk to you. It's like we understand how hard it is. And so when we come together, we don't want to make it harder for each other. So we are literally ready to throw off our shoes, take off our jackets and not be strong, but be support for each other. That's lovely. And like, you just had to be willing to take that first step mm-hmm. to, to join the huddle. You just yes. had to be willing to join the huddle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it was there for you in ways that have been deeply healing. Yeah. Yeah. And if I can say one more thing to Sarah about how I express my anger, my career or the building of my career is the expression of my anger in the making. And what I mean by that is I understand the experiences that I went through as a college student, being from a low SES inner city of Alabama, going to a PWI throughout my higher education. And I was angry and I knew what that felt like. And so what I've done is I've taken all of the things that I wish I could have had. And I've taken all of the things that I knew I needed um, being a university student. And I have poured that into my work with my clients. And it has become my life work to make sure that the students coming in and out of my office for therapy, they are seen, they are heard. They are validated, they are normalized, and they are not judged. And overall, they are safe. And my office is home. You can leave your mask at the door, or you can keep it on for as long as you want to, but no, I'm not going anywhere. 
And so that has also been very healing for me because I can express how angry I have been by creating an opportunity where other people don't have to have that experience of anger. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I can imagine that your students are very grateful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they tend to tell me. (laughs) Those spaces, especially in an institutional setting, can be really hard to come by. Yeah, it really can. It really can, which is why, you know, I'm such a champion of representation in in our field, bringing more people of color, more individuals from marginalized backgrounds into the therapy room, especially on college campuses, because we're becoming more and more diverse and more and more of our students are going to be more and more diverse. So, So the more that they can see us in these roles the the more opportunity we have to build trust and the more opportunity we have to to create points of access for services that these students actually need. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I wonder if we could get back just for a moment to aggression. It's so loaded, right? And, And so you'd said that the research indicates that it I mean, I guess common sense too, like aggression can be harmful to others. It can also be harmful to the person who's expressing aggression. And so you found your, uh, you found your healing through, through many steps, but Mm -hmm. ultimately working on connecting with people who would, who would acknowledge you, see you, hear you, validate you, support you, connect with you. I'm wondering what, I guess I'm just wondering, that sounds so critical, that that connection piece and healing through relationships, that safe relationships. Mm-hmm. Are there other ways that you have encouraged people to work with their anger um, non-harmfully kind of a thing, mm-hmm. safely, uh, if, mm-hmm. if that support system isn't readily available yet? Yeah, yeah. So the the way that I've often conceptualized aggression and anger in my work with clients is that it's an energy. It's an energy that needs to get out of the body. Now, no, make no mistakes about it. Yes, I relied on my social support networks and I um, conceptualized this process as healing, but there were times where I screamed to the top of my lungs. I turned some things over. I've kicked some things. I've hit some walls. And I think that's okay to do because we're essentially wanting to get the energy out of our bodies. And at the same time, that's not the only thing we want to do because I don't think it's sustainable. You're going to have thousands of dollars in, in, in um, damaging fee- damages fees and things of that nature. So and you don't want to um, harm your vocal cords. So while it's okay to do that temporarily as a um, impulsive reaction, let us not rely on that. Okay. Get the energy out and then let's redirect it in a way that allows you to be heard. That word energy just sound is so important to highlight. It's just an energy in the body and it needs, it needs to get out. Absolutely. And sometimes until we can get it out, get that raw energy out, uh, we can't hear the messages underneath it. 
right? Like sometimes you got to get that raw energy out first. Right, right. And sometimes I suggest um, engaging in physical activity through exercise. I know myself, and I've done this with clients or clients in the past where we just sit in a room and just bob to music, you know, just just moving because I, I just I need to hear the music. I can't express what I'm, I'm feeling, but this song does. And we're moving back and forth. We're swaying because I'm getting that energy out, like, ugh, you know, dancing, you know, even if it's a um, uncontrolled dancing, you just you're getting the energy out and you're not stopping there. You're going to do something else. The thing about anger is it is there's so much power in it, right? There's so much power. And I loved hearing you say that your career is built, you know, with, with a foundation of, of, I don't know exactly how you said it, but anger has, anger has helped you build the foundation of your career. And I was just like the drive by learning how to harness the power of it and really d- direct your, your life and your world in some, in some difficult, but also very positive and meaningful directions. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny that you say that one of my favorite books thus far in terms of this anger work from an academic perspective is Eloquent Rage, A Black Feminist Discovers Her Superpower by Dr. Brittany Cooper. And in that book, she talks about her anger and her rage and how she's coped with it and how she studied it and how she's come to understand it and has made peace with it. And it's funny because in conversation with my anger, I've named my anger Bella because Bella means beautiful. And I think just like uh, Dr. Cooper's, the title of her book, Eloquent Rage, eloquent rage, rage being eloquent, anger being beautiful, Bella. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's a power in it. It gives information that can really guide you on this beautiful journey of healing, advocacy, and overall self-development. Because I think I am a stronger person because of my anger. I am assertive because of my anger. And I'm a lot more empathic and caring because of my anger. So it is beautiful. It is Bella. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. That is is beautiful. Anything else that you want to say before we bring this conversation to a close? It's been so rich to have this, to have this conversation with you. Yeah, yeah. I think if students out there hear this, one message I want them to take away if they don't take away anything else is you deserve to experience all of your emotions, regardless of what someone says or has taught you, you deserve the full human experience. And anger is a part of that. Um, Show yourself some compassion and start a conversation with your anger. Engage it, make it work for you. you. You deserve to. I think that's the takeaway message. Talk to your anger. Experience all that your humanity has to offer. I'm even hearing like befriend it, 
right? Your anger, yes. just, your anger is not your enemy. It's not, it's not, it's not. Absolutely. Thank you for this lovely conversation, Rainisha. Um, yay. yay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for letting me just oh. talk through something that I love. I could go on. Oh, and on, oh, so I know. You. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe we can have this, have part two one day. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> You've been listening to CWC Talks, a podcast from the University of Florida Counseling and Wellness Center. For new episodes, show notes, and to leave feedback or suggestions, please visit counseling.ufl.edu slash CWC talks.